Acts chapter two, we'll pick up in verse 14. This morning I told you that Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I will not leave you as an orphan. And he did not. He left us the Holy Ghost, or I should say he sent to us the Holy Ghost. Tonight I've never done this, but I want to look at Joel's vision or prophecy, I should say, and maybe dissect it just a little bit. And I'm not want to stay here a great length of time, but two points at the end. But I want to look at Joel's prophecy concerning the day of Pentecost, 50. Pentecost meaning 50, 50 days after the Passover. And I want to talk to you just for a little bit what it means to our church and to every generation. We'll pick up in verse 14. Are you with me? Amen. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as ye suppose. He didn't say they were not drunk. He said they are not drunk, as you suppose. Since it's only the third hour of the day, being nine o'clock. But this is what the King James says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel or Joel in some places. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream, dream dreams. Excuse me. It's amazing that in the prophecy part it says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I think that's very powerful tonight. Verse eighteen. We'll read just a little more, please. And on my men servants and on my maid service, I will pour out my spirit. Very important there because there's no classification of people that God is going to prohibit from receiving the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the beauty of Pentecost. It is the fulfillment of Jesus saying when I get there, I will send him back to you and that is what's happening in the world today. It is God's spirit touching all flesh and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. King James is terrible there. Verse 21, please. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can somebody say amen tonight? I want to preach just for a few moments this is that. I want to look at Simon Peter and his two responses to the questions that were raised by the demonstration or manifestation of the glory of God on the day of Pentecost. Stretch your hand this way, please. I want God to touch us. Brother Charles, pray that the body would have ears to hear tonight. You may be seated tonight. I'm not going to walk you so much to Pentecost. I believe that the crowd and the uh, gathers tonight, I believe, is a, uh, a crowd that is discipled. I'm just going to pick up at Pentecost for time's sake. When the day of Pentecost was finally come, it caused such an uproar here in Jerusalem because many were going to ponder what was taking place. We don't see that as much as the church now as we did in the days of my youth, but there were demonstrations of God's spirit in my youth that caused people to wonder. And I say that, I, I really, I felt rebuked by the spirit there because uh, three Wednesday nights ago, no, we did see that. We saw a demonstration of God's holy power of his spirit that caused the church to fall on their face. How many of you here saw the manifestation of God's spirit, amen? 
And then the Wednesday night following that, we saw God do some amazing things. So I should not say that, but I do remember in my youth, there were certain things that happened in God's house that people just couldn't write off that, oh, that's just sister so-and-so, that's just brother so They knew it was God and God's power that showed up in our midst. On the day of Pentecost, that's what was taking place. Now I told you this morning how personal it was, how Jesus said that when he comes, I'm not gonna leave you as desolate or as an orphan. But tonight, I know I don't want to deal with so much as the application of one person. I want to look at the church as a whole tonight, and I want to look at the response of Simon Peter with those that had gathered in Jerusalem. Some say it could have been up to a million people when wondering about the manifestation that was there, the wind that blew in from heaven, the, the tongues of fire that set on man's head, and then more importantly, I believe to those, all these different languages that begin to come out of common people's mouth. Tonight, if all of a sudden, we had all kind of believers in this house. I, I remember when my professor told me at Lee, he said, I was preaching a pastor in Maine, in Portland, Maine. And he said, all of a sudden, there came a stranger and I missed one night. He said, I was pastoring a small church. He said, all of a sudden, he said, God began the mood. He said, there was a message in tongues. He said, it was not out of order. He said, but I knew it was a language that I'd never heard before. He said, all of a sudden, he said, that person that was visiting ran down to our altar and gave their heart to the Lord. He said, I didn't realize, he said, but God was using one of our older ladies in the church who definitely couldn't speak in two languages to just say a word to that person. That person was convicted and gave their life to Jesus Christ. That's what was happening on the day of Pentecost. Galileans and all were speaking in unknown languages or languages that they didn't know, but people, not the speaking. We always focus on the speaking, and that bothers me. It's not just the speaking, it's the hearing, that they were hearing the words that were coming. They were hearing the glorification of God's word and God's spirit and these people were being filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. When this happens, the people there that were observing, they don't understand. And the Bible said twice that they were amazed. In the Greek, that literally means they were pushed to their limit. One translation says they were pushed out of their natural senses. They couldn't understand. They couldn't grasp. Some began to rebuke. Some scoffed. Some mocked. The Bible tells us that some were stunned and bewildered. But there are two words that come together that change the rest of church history. Verse 14, but Peter. Those two words changed the rest of church history. This man that once denied Jesus Christ, this man that once cussed and said, I never knew him, this man that cut an ear off a man at one time to protect the Lord, he fought, but really Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you do. Now this man, after John 21, being restored back to full faith and full power, stands up and he begins to say this, but Peter said, as this, standing up with the 11, he raised his voice and said to them, this is a change of church history right here. This is the, the God breaking down to the human mindset what was taking place. And if God was going to choose somebody, he chose the right man, didn't he? A man who was not afraid to step out and be different. While everybody else was riding along in the boat, he steps out and said, if that be you, Jesus, I'm coming right where you are. Somebody say amen tonight. His personality by itself was outspoken. He would sometimes speak before he really thought about what he was saying. How many of you got a family member like that tonight? Amen. 
How many of you have a spouse like that tonight? I was just checking. I was setting you up there. That's okay. But he was brash. He was frank and he was blunt. But there are two things quickly that I want to look at tonight Then I'll let you go. He responds to two thoughts because out of their amazement, there came two questions. There were two things that they kept pressing that they did not understand. First of all, they kept speaking that these men were drunk. Listen, the Bible does not tell us not to get drunk. It says, be not drunk with wine where in excess, but what? Be ye filled with the Spirit, the book of Ephesians tonight. Am I preaching tonight? Is anybody listening? Because if something happens with the Spirit that sometimes by, when you look at a Spirit-filled believer, if you don't know and you don't understand, you can almost think almost like they're drunk. A Wednesday night or so ago, God touched me. Brother Wade laid his hand on me and I fell almost as a dead man at that floor, not knowing what the next week and a half was going to be for my life. I needed the power of all my of God. But when I got up from that floor, it was almost that I didn't really know where I was at, brothers and sisters. And I, it was kind of like Saul, not off this beast, not that I'm Saul by no means, but I needed God's power in my life. When I got up, I really needed my wife to hold me. That's not to say that I'm some super duper whopper tonight. In fact, I'm preaching against that in my message. But it just lets me know that there's a place in God at sometimes that we can't explain with mortal words and sometimes even when we try to explain it, we kind of put a tag on it that it's almost a sinful thing. But saints tonight, I want you to know that what happened on Pentecost was not a sinful thing. It was the outpouring of the latter-day outpouring of God's power and God's spirit upon this church in the last days. If you believe that, give God a hand of praise tonight. So they marveled and said, these men must be drunk. But Peter says that it can't be drunk. It's just nine o'clock. And even if they were drunkards, most drunkards in my family, I guarantee you, he's thinking, or most drunkards that I see don't get drunk at nine o'clock. And to put it, push it a little more, Jews at that time really didn't eat until 10 o'clock. So for somebody to say that these men were drunk at nine o'clock, it was almost offensive. Simon Peter stands up and says, these are not drunk at least they're not in, drunk with uh, intoxicating alcohol, but they may be drunk off of a new wine that you don't understand. He was saying to them, what you're seeing taking place is not a work of the flesh, but a demonstration of Almighty God. Can I tell you tonight, I am hungry again for a move of God's spirit and God's power that my son will go home and say, Daddy, can you explain to me what happened because I know it was real. Russell, I'm ashamed to tell you tonight, but in the last few years of ministry, my son doesn't say that much. There's been a couple times that he's left the church saying, Daddy, you gotta explain what just happened. The greatest outpouring of where my son had to come back and say, Daddy, what just took place? There was a Wednesday afternoon when God began to deal with me about something. And I went to my prayer closet at the house and I spent a few hours with God in prayer. And I don't know what was said. I don't know what was done. But when I came out of that room, I know Aiden came to me. He said, Daddy, you've got to tell me what was going on in there. And I said, Son, I can't explain everything that was going on in there, but I can tell you this. God was fighting for you and God was fighting for me. And I may not have the wisdom or the degrees to explain everything, but I'm telling you that's God right there moving on your behalf. Saints of God, I want to tell you something again. We should not shun the old ways of fighting in the power of God's mind and God's spirit. I know it's not always pretty. I know it doesn't always get us out at 12 o'clock so we can get to Porto, but if you're fighting
fighting the devils that I'm fighting tonight. I need God's power again in my life. I need the work of the Holy Ghost to work in my life one more time. I told you I'm not going to hold you long. I'm going to move quickly tonight. The first thing that Peter has to answer is to let them know that these men are not drunk. Anybody ever been in a service like that where you thought that somebody was touched by God so mighty that they left different than what they came? Anybody? I'm at North Walla right tonight, amen? Secondly, not only does he let them know they're not drunk, my last point, but he says, I've got to explain what it is to you. He says, and if you've ever been at Pentecost, you've heard these words, this is that. What is that that? That that is a big sermon to be preached, really a series. But he says to them, this is that. What is that that? They asked him, what does this mean? This is exactly that that is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel a long time ago. What he was saying there at the age at which Joel spoke was, it is finally here. What you see being manifested after Jesus ascends to heaven, sends the comforter, the paraclete, the one and the same. He's saying, this is what was told many years ago by prophet Joel. It would be a prophetic fulfillment that would signal the last day outpouring of God's spirit and power. I want you to hear me tonight. I know what somebody is saying with Brother Nolan. That's a many long last day outpouring. You better believe it. But I believe that those days are coming to an end, saints of God, tonight. I don't know how many more shoot, school shootings we can take. It seems like darkness is living on every street corner and taking over the minds of young men and young women. And it's not just young people. It's all the way up the ladder tonight. It seems like evil is on every hand. But I know this. My Bible tells me tonight that God will let us redeem the time because the days are ever increasingly becoming evil. But also with that evil arising where sin will abound, my Bible also tells me in the last day that grace much more would abound. And not that grace would abound, but not only grace abounding, but God will pour out his spirit like never before in that last day. Listen to me. We don't need another cute sermon tonight. We don't need another church in Wahala. We just need a few more churches, old churches, to get on fire again and fall back in love with Jesus Christ and let the glory of God come back in the sanctuary of God's house. Oh. We think if we could just change the church name, it'll be all right. We think if we could just put another uh, new coat of paint on the church door, that it might bewilder the community, and they might not think that we are the same church that was here. We don't need a transformation of a building. We need a transformation of the body of Christ to fall back in love with Jesus Christ and let the Spirit of God touch our children, our youth, our college and career, and in the oldest saint of our church today. Night. Come on, somebody, stay with me. If we're going to have Sunday night church, let us have Sunday night church then. If we're going to preach, if I'm going to prepare, let's prepare, let's receive what God is doing tonight. 
He was saying to them that this is that. This is the prophetic. This is a siren. This is the bell. This is the alarm. When the first tongue that is spoken, when the first wind blew in, when you heard the languages of everybody standing there that had gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost, the feast of weeks here, he was saying, this is God letting you know I've made it back and the end days are upon you. Not just a prophetic fulfillment, but it also was a sign tonight, and this is where I want to stress, that this prophetic fulfillment wouldn't just be for a select group of people, but it will be for all those who come and call upon the name of Almighty God, male and female, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, it did not matter. I remember in the Old Testament when Moses experienced the prophetic voice of God. And the 70 elders experienced, experienced it as well. And then two more. One man rose up and said, why don't you rebuke them? And Moses said, no, no, no. I will not rebuke them. He said, I wish that they all would receive this. Can I tell you tonight? I know it seems like we highlight ministers and ministries and your gift may be different than my gift, but I'm just of the crazy opinion tonight that everybody in this church, God can use you and pour out his spirit upon you in these last days events and you can turn your home around, you can turn your job around, that there's no devil greater than the power of the third person of the Godhead tonight. So what is, come on, give him praise if you want to tonight. So let me explain to you what Joel was saying, then we'll close. So what is this prophetic voice? What is this prophetic fulfillment? Understanding Joel's day, as we look back to the book of Joel, and I wish my young people tonight in college and career would listen to me, please. There was a devastating locust plague that had attacked in the book of Joel that left virtually no vines or grapes on the vine. What, let me tell you what the verse said in verse four, chapter one. When the cutting locust left, the swarming locusts had eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. What Joel was saying was, as any enemy that can come, when that enemy fell, another enemy came in. These locusts left nothing unturned and they came against God's people. Before this time, it was like Eden. But after this, it was a desolate wilderness that nothing escaped this plague. It calls the drunkards, Joel tells us in verse five, that they begin to weep and cry because there was no more wine. Understanding now what's taking place. This plague has come on humanity, but instead of crying out for righteousness, the drunkards of the day cried out because there was no more wine to drink. It sounds like 2018, doesn't it? It seems like people are crying out more of sexual perversion and wickedness than they are the spirit of Almighty God. Even this afternoon, I had to deal with a situation where we promote the works of the flesh more than we do the spirit of Almighty God. It's like parents want to be teenagers instead of being godly men and women. Where are the grandparents that want to see the voice of Almighty God? Where are the parents that are not afraid to stand up and say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord? I got two amens. That's okay tonight. When Joel sees this tragedy, he does not weep as the drunkards do, but Joel weeps because of this. Listen to me. Not because there's no more wine to drink, but because the vine is now desolate. There is no more grain to make grain offering, and there is no more wine to make 
drink offering. Therefore, as a priest or prophet, they must mourn because the works of the Lord, or the offerings of the Lord are now going to cease. But understand tonight, Joel was right, but this plague was no accident. It was a judgment from Almighty God. The locust was God's army that he had come to execute judgment because of sin and rebellion. So what does Joel do? He calls the church to repentance. There will never be a great revival without repentance. If I, if I was going to preach a third message on Pentecost, it would be from chapter 16 where he talks about how the Holy Ghost will reprove us from sin and judgment and unrighteousness, dealing with three different types of sin. There will never be an outpouring until there is repentance. Repentance in the home, repentance in the church, repentance in the government. Nothing we do or legislate will change or pull God to us without first asking God to forgive us. I know it's not popular preaching, but it's truthful preaching. We need to repent for our slothfulness and our laziness. We need to repent for our bitterness. We need to repent from the confusion that we have brought to the body of Christ, and we need to repent that we love another lover. We're more in love with the world than we are with God having to choose what to do with our children because the world is pulling them in every direction. Sooner or later, we've just got to come back and say, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. He says in chapter two, yet even now says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with your fasting, with your weeping, and with your mourning. Rend your hearts, tear your garments Return to the Lord your God who knows whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him. When Joel calls out for this, the people return back to him. The people are coming back now. Joel's preaching result that God's jealousy for his people is stirred up. In verse 19, the Lord says, Behold, I'm sending you grain and wine and oil and you will be satisfied and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. When they begin to do this, God says, I'm going to restore it back to you. I'm going to restore your name. Listen to me tonight. There's nothing that you've done that God cannot restore, even your name tonight. Your name's all you got sometimes, friend. And if sin has brought a reproach to your name, I'm telling you that God can restore that tonight. After this restoration, God restores riches divinely inspired. But then God begins to talk as I close tonight, something that would take place in a distant future. He says in Joel 2 and 28, he said, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and you know the scripture from there. What Joel had called the last day judgment of God and what Joel saw in the locust plague, he saw a day of the Lord that was coming, a day of the Lord that he called great and terrible, the day of the Lord that will be the end of an age. We're right there at that, I believe. But he also said something else, that before this happens, when God fully restores the vine, there's coming an outpouring like you have never seen in your lifetime. Listen to me tonight. You can't put
put new wine in old wineskins. So we need to restore. We need to get our joy back in God because there's coming an outpouring that you and I have not seen yet. I love what God did in 1886. I'm so thankful for the Azusa Street Revival. I love what God did in the charismatic movement and I'm thankful for Brownsville Revival because when I was 18, that's where God seemed like he was just pouring out his spirit. But can I tell you, I want God to do it right here at North Walhalla. There's no reason, there's no reason, Pastor Wade, that God will not do it right here on your children and my children as well. Before this great and terrible day that Joel prophesied about, on Pentecost Sunday, I want to declare these words as I close. On this glorious celebration, God says, I am going to restore the vine. That's why they said, these men are not drunk as ye suppose. Why? Because what the locust took away, God gave it back in his spirit. I've heard people say, y'all sing different, you preach different. It's not the flesh of man, it's the spirit in the man. Y'all clap your hands. Sometimes people don't like that. We've had people leave because we clap our hands. It amazes me. They clap at a game like it's nobody's business They come to church and expect us not to clap for the glory of God. But it's not the clapping of the hands of man. It's the spirit that's within the man. And what Joel was saying, that when God pours this out, that it's gonna be a restoration of the vine. I wish tonight that every college and career student and every youth member tonight will be so saturated by the presence of Almighty God that when they get back to their school tomorrow, that the people sitting beside them will have to say to them, what happened to you this weekend? Because there's something different about you. Listen to me as I close. We need that outpouring one more time. I want our teenagers to stand out, not to make me look good, but so God's power would rest upon them and that they would change a generation. I want our children to learn how to pray. If we don't teach them, if Ashley doesn't teach them how to pray, Russell will have a harder job. And if Russell doesn't teach them how to pray, Whitney and them will have almost an impossible job. And if Whitney doesn't teach them how to pray, you'll and I will have a job that will only be done by the help of the Holy Ghost. But give me a four-year-old that knows how to say, God, I want you to heal my mama. Preacher, I don't believe that tonight. I do. I believe God will do it one more time. I believe it's not bound by any age, name, set, color, nationality, nor race. When he said it would be for all people, it is for all people. Let me take it another step further, Church of God. We thought we had lock and key on the Spirit of God. God's looking for some Baptist tonight. God's looking for one Presbyterian. God's looking for one Methodist tonight who will stand up and say I want more of God and I'll do whatever God calls me to do and God will saturate them with his presence in this house. (laughs) Joe, if you'll come on tonight, let's get ready. What does it mean for us? First of all, in Acts 1 and 4, it means that this promise is for you. I want every college career young person to hear me tonight that God wants to saturate you with his presence. Only thing I want you to do tonight is get in the presence of Almighty God. He'll take you from there. God, this promise is for you. He says, it's for your sons and your daughters, your men servants and your maid servants tonight. God is doing that in our young people. T.J. Galloway's given an invitation to speak on the lake every Sunday morning for the summer. He came to me. He said, preacher, what do you feel about this? I said, go do it, son. 
I said, come back to church when you're done, but go do it. It's an open door for you. I said, but when you go, don't be ashamed of who you are because it was God that opened that door for you. So when you stand where all those people, Lake Kiwi or Jocassia, or wherever he's at over there, or how big these lakes are, I don't have a house on Kiwi yet, so I, have to, I don't know about all that. Y'all have to talk to Russell. I don't know about all that. But I told him, I said, so, but when you go, you go preach the words of Jesus Christ and let God and his spirit do more in that lake than you could ever do in a lifetime. Don't tell me God's not doing it. He's doing it every day right here in our midst. Why? Because he's promised it to us. Not only is it for us, it's for us full of power. We don't have to be a church that's void of God's power tonight. He said, after this power shall come upon you. When this vine is restored that Joel talked about, a church is now full of power. Don't you understand that? three weeks we have seen miracles around this house we've seen people on death's door that before they crossed over God showed up and knocked on their heart and there was prayer made between me and individuals before they went into the portals of glory that's a miracle saints of God tonight that's the power of almighty God and not only power but unity don't you understand that everybody heard in their own language it was letting them know what happened on the tower of Babel that separated man God now through his spirit can bring all men together and there are no limitations on the power of the Holy Ghost. You hear me tonight? Bring them. Bring them in broken. Bring them in desolate. Bring them in not speaking English. There'll be somebody. God will bring a translator. If God doesn't bring a translator, he'll be the translator himself. He'll do it through words or power or demonstration of his spirit. When God doesn't have somebody there, God will use what's already there to show them his power power and glory. But what God needs tonight is a church that's not afraid to step out of our comfort zone and step out of our traditions and step out of our boxes and say, God, show up one more time and show us your glory in this house. Listen to me as I begin to play. Just start playing or I'm going to keep preaching. This, this prophetic word, he said they will prophesy. They will dream dreams. Right? And they will see visions. Their mind, they will dream heavenly things. Future things, yes, I believe that. That's what prophecy is. But not just future things. That they're so saturated by the presence of the Lord that even in the night season, their mind is still stayed on thee. Not just dreams, but with their eyes, our young people, are seeing what's not in the natural, but in the supernatural. Why are you quiet tonight? They're your children and grandchildren that I'm talking about. Instead of being locked in on Facebook, seeing who's dating who and who kissed who last night, may there be two or three that their eyes see things that you and I have not seen yet. And they stand up next Sunday morning and they say this, Last Sunday night, God showed me that there's a revival coming to North Walla. And that it's gonna start with the children and the teenagers and the college and career. And it's gonna flood this place like a river. I can't believe that by myself. God said, your children will see these things. And then it, they will prophesy. Do I believe that is about future things? I do. But I also believe that speaking the power of God in the present day vernacular as well. 
instead of cussing and speaking perverse things. People that are so saturated with God's spirit that they talk more about God than they do anything else. When they've been invited into a private room to speak about perversion, instead of doing that, our young people are such in the presence of God, they step back out and they begin to declare what Acts 2 says and Acts 3 says and Acts 4 says. Would you stand with me please all over the house? That's what Joel prophesied about. God will restore the vine and there will be an outpouring like never before. These people are not drunk as you think, but it's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The vine has been restored and this is that. Can we give God the biggest hand of praise tonight, amen? All flesh, all flesh. He said my spirit will be poured out on all flesh. What we cannot do in America, God's already done in the spirit. Uniting people together that normally would not come together. He's already done it. This is the last day outpouring. The close of the Messianic area. Now the last day outpouring. It must be done by the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you bow your heads with me please, Father? I preached your word, the restoration of your spirit. God, whatever hinders us from your spirit, remove it. Remove the tradition that binds us. We're Pentecostal people, but we keep telling you how you moved yesterday, and we're so afraid to move with you today. Used to, you had to move with three songs and a dance and a shout. We're so afraid that one young person might run through this sanctuary tonight. God, I want to see you move again and bring joy to dead and dry religion. But we got to get out of our comfort zone and we got to get out of our box tonight. And we must get up under your presence and be saturated by your glory in Jesus' name. Tonight, is there any college or career student that would say, Pastor, I want God's presence on my life. Would you step out and stand at this altar? I'm not going to beg anybody. Is there a college or career student, one student that would say, Pastor, I want God's presence. Would you come right now to my right? Anyone? Anyone? I'm just looking for one. Just one. There's one. Any others that would come? You don't have to understand. You're saying, I want God's presence. Can we give God the biggest hand praise for one? Just for one. Do I have one teenager tonight that would say, Pastor Nolan, I want God's presence in my life. One teenager, any teenager that would come, just give me one, just one teenager that would come. We have one coming. Can we give God praise tonight? That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. It's okay for her to cry at the altar. Oh, I wish some would weep at the altar again. Open the altars up. It's just people crying and praying at the altar. One person in their 30s that would say, Pastor, I just want God, God's presence. Anybody in this house, any 30-year-olds, 30 to 40-year-olds, that kind of age bracket is missing in the church sometimes. Any 30, Sheila, are you 35? Sheila, are you 35? Amen. Any 30, any 40-year-olds that would say, Pastor, I want God's presence. You're telling me we're only going to have a teenager and a college and career student, and then we ask why God's presence is not moving in the churches. That's why. Nobody wants to move. Anybody else would say, I want God's presence. Come now, come now, quickly, quickly. Anyone that would say, I want God's presence in my life. Would you come? Can I have one senior citizen? 
one elder of the church that would say, Pastor, I want God's presence more than anything else. Would you come right now? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? We're just going to pray with you. We're just going to pray with you. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of Almighty God in this house. I want you to begin to sing. I'm going to begin to pray with people. Pour out your spirit. I'd bring my family if I was here. Father, in Jesus' name, we need more of you and less of this world. God, we need more. You sing and obey the Lord. Hallelujah. More, 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 more. Listen.